Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is the Reverend Ben DeHart. Ben is the Associate Rector at Calvary St. George's Episcopal Church in New York City. Ben grew up in Robbinsville, New Jersey, graduated from Grove City College, and received his MDiv in 2012. He's worked previously as an Episcopal Chaplain at Carnegie Mellon University, and as an associate priest at St. Thomas Memorial Episcopal Church in Oakmont, Pennsylvania. I give you Ben DeHart. Ben, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm good. So glad to be back. Excellent. Coming to us, you're coming to us live to tape from New York City. That's right. The city that never sleeps. Never do we. Our first lectionary text today is from Amos. My guess is a lot of people won't preach from this, but Amos chapter 7, verses 7 through 17, where Amos gets this vision beside the Lord sitting beside a wall with a plumb line in his hand, and he's asking Amos, what do you see? And and the kind of measurement is not good, (laughs) right? Whatever this plumb line is, it, uh, it is not good, and it finds Israel severely wanting. Very much so. And yet, the other priest, how do you say that? Amaziah? He's Amaziah. He's like, Amos, chill out. In fact, go away. We're doing just fine. Yeah, it's just the, always the tension, right, between the priesthood and the prophet, the priest and the prophet, right? Like, one tends to be more invested in institutional happiness. <laughs> I have to say that, honestly, as a pastor, as a priest, I'm probably going to be more like Amaziah and found wanting on Judgment Day because I'm going to be like, hey, let's be pastoral, blah, blah, blah. So I probably would say the exact same thing to the Amoses in my life. And I probably do. It's probably why I hate Twitter so much is because some of them may be true Amoses, though I'd say most probably aren't. Um, yeah. Yeah, Twitter is an angrier, less moderate values a platform that values the lack of civility above all else <laughs> it seems i'm always more depressed after i look at it but i look at it every single day it's interesting too that here i mean you have god's finding israel wanting and yet the priest saying geez i mean Amos, you're just a downer. Like, you know, people can't, people need a little Joel Steen. They need to pick me up here. You're a downer and, you know, your words are unbearable. And yet in, in some sense, right? Like it's, it's, there's no word of grace or deliverance without the word of judgment. Right. Because yeah. in some, in some sense, the danger of uh, the, the words here of Amaziah are that y- y- people get self-assured and you almost don't need the word of, of the gospel, the word of grace, the word of deliverance, because what do we need to be delivered from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is where my law gospel friends will love this passage. I mean, 
the law here isn't just like a, a little like, oh, don't do this. Please don't do that. It is the high places of Isaac shall be made desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel laid waste. Like this is judgment. Jeroboam shall die by the sword. This is the law at its highest pitch, as my uh, friend and colleague Jacob Smith likes to say. Um, so, yeah, this is that that word of judgment on those found wanting. Yeah, and what's interesting here is, you know, the you have all three of eight of Israel's major players here mentioned, right? All three offices, the prophet, the priest, and the king. Mm. And they are different offices. And, you know, the tradition has wanted to say that in Christ we have the is it trimunex, trimunex, muplex, like the three offices. It, Calvin does a whole lot with this. Although Aquinas teases it out too, but I think Calvin's one of the first big, lengthy reflectors on this stuff. But here, they're sort of juxtapositioned against one another, right? Or at least you have the prophet coming, bringing this word, and the priest is like, hey, the land can't hear it, and the word's about the king. And yet in Jesus, we have the prophet who says, I weep for you, Jerusalem, right? Like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd like to gather you up like a mother hen. N.T. Wright says that image is a hen in a barn fire mm. where you'd see if a barn fire came, the, the chicks would be, the mother would be burned and under her burnt carcass would be live chicks. I mean, I, I mean if N.T. Wright says it, I'll say, okay, sounds good to me. But uh, he says that, that that's where the reference in antiquity is. So you have Jesus being prophet and priest, Right. So he's saying, yeah, instead of saying, don't preach the prophetic word, he brings the prophetic word and also makes the sacrifice or stands in uh, to, to bear the judgment that rightly, just like, like, the, the, like, as I says, the people can't bear this judgment either. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's like Amos and Amaziah in one, but like a true Amaziah. I kind of like that. I, I, I could roll with that. Yeah, it's like he brings a harsher word even than mm, Amos, yeah. or a deeper word, and also it ha, ha, can hear the word more deeply than the priest, and all, all such that we can live under his kingship, the kingship of the Lord who's friend to sinners. Yeah, because oh, Amos, right, I mean, for the most part, is denouncing idolatry and uh, the, the poor treatment of the poor. And Jesus says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. So it's uh, once again, like raising the bar. And yet he comes in with that radical word of grace or, or doing it on our behalf. Um, yeah, I like that. I think yeah. Fleming Rutledge would like that too. And I think the tendency to play off if you're a cons- if you have a concern for God's for seeing God's justice, a foretaste of that in the world, it's like, well, there's the grace people, then there's the justice people. No, the, the biggest passion for justice is created, I think, when people realize their lack of entitlement, their lack of, of the false status that we think we have, the lack of self-sufficiency, and the fact that we are under judgment and, need, and you need a word of grace, because then it, it, when you realize your own need, and the grace in which you stand, you're much more likely to be sensitive to the needs around you and outside you. Yeah. And I think be also open to being patient with those who are not there yet, uh, instead of merely yelling at them. And as my one pastoral theology once said, people can't hear you 
until they're moving towards you. And if anyone is moving towards us, it is Jesus Christ, the prophet, priest, and king. There it is. Amen to that. Maybe the way you're the most woke is that you realize you're asleep at the switch. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> to Colossians, speaking of the King, King Jesus. Here we have Colossians 1, 1 through 14. Paul is writing to this new church, this young church of young Christians in Colossae and giving thanks to them, uh, you know, that, that they, he's praying for them and he's thankful for their witness. And yet it's, it also seems that, you know, in praying for you know, he'll go on to talk about how some needs they have. There's, it seems to be there might be some teaching that is unset, that is sort of rocking the foundation of what he says, you know, they have, that, that they've been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved son in whom they have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So he, this is a fairly positive opening celebrating the, centrality of Jesus and what God has done for them through Christ. And then he'll get to sort of also what later in the letter becomes the continual sort of problem in the New Testament, Jesus plus something, right? It's always like, it's always like, well, Jesus is great, but if you just get Jesus plus this, then you'll really have it. So there's, it seems like some kind of Jesus plusness somewhere creeping up here. Like it seems to creep up everywhere then and now. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, for me, I think it's just being a Christian for a long enough period of time. You kind of get bored and feel like you've got to move on. And uh, yeah, I guess it's the confusion of spiritual maturity with like, all right, well, I'm kind of tired of this message I've heard for so long. So what else can I do? But I think, man, that last sentence is just we can't just pass that over he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins and i love like the apocalyptic theologians who emphasize that we have been straight up like yanked out of this realm or domain of the powers and transferred into the kingdom of his son and just the, the power of that. And I think there's, there's a, a lot of truth to that um, just in our, our lived reality of, um, and I think, yeah, talking about this a little further, just how the theologians say, though we've been rescued, we've been completely transferred from one to the other. We, we have one foot in each realm. Um, yeah. And I think that that, I mean, who, why would you want to get beyond that news to, to Jesus plus something else? But yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think that that, and Paul even seems to say that, that they, that this word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you hmm. since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Ephrathus, our, our fellow beloved servant. It seems to say that, look, it's, the 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 fruit it's bearing like the, the continued uh, organic 
spiritual development is is continuing from that original proclamation of what God has done in delivering from darkness to light, from bondage to freedom. In that, it's 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 in getting into that deeper. It's in it's the again and again that brings the higher and deeper. You don't graduate from this mm. to a more advanced class. That the the Christian life is a continuing deepening and understanding of what that deliverance is and, and what it means for you and you know the way you walk in the world. Yeah, I mean this, this proclamation creates something in you, something new and yeah, and good. And yet, I mean that emphasis at the very end, the forgiveness of sins, we we start again every single day. I love my church lately. We've uh, moved the confession of sins to the beginning of the liturgy at the start of the service. It's the what's known as the penitential rite. And I, I was preaching last Sunday, and I had my kind of script. But I, in the middle of it, it, was just like I love that we do that at the beginning of the service every week. So it's we are coming here expecting that we have fallen short. Not that we want to, uh, not that we should, but we're we're going to. And yet that transfer, yeah, it's forgiveness for when we sin, but it's also creating something in us. Uh, and I think sometimes we lose faith or trust in that word of the gospel, creating what it calls for in us. Yeah, it's it's interesting too, that liturgical ordering, it, it follows the pattern of Isaiah or Peter, where you get this revelation of God, say, in the, t- in the temple, right? Uh, last place you'd expect to find God, right? At church, but Isaiah finds him there. And, you know, or Peter with the miracle of the fish. So you see this glorious revelation of God. What's the first thing? I'm a man of unclean lips. Go away from me, a sinner. The first thing you see in the light is your own darkness and need. And then there's the consecration, right? Like, like you know, that I'm setting you aside, you know, and then which leads to communion, you know, and, and commissioning. So it's like that kind of flow liturgically, just that little ordering. I, I was thinking for an illustration too. This is really, because I was, th- this, you know, Paul again goes back to this, proclamation of joyful news like this is news that happened that changes your life you know um family guys creator seth mcfarlane book deceit on 9-11 on americans airlines flight 11 from boston to los angeles but because he arrived late at the airport he missed the flight that the hijackers flew into the north tower of the new york's world trade center and yet someone asked him if that made him think of the rest of his life as a gift, here, here's his answer. The experience didn't change me at all. It made no difference in the way I live my life. It made no difference in the way I look at things. It was just a coincidence. And here, that seems to be the, like the complete opposite of what Paul's saying, that there's this moment in history that you could have missed. I mean, he even says in Second Corinthians, we don't look at Jesus from a human point of view, anyone, because we looked at Jesus from that point of view, and we, and we missed it, right? Like, so that when you see this, that, that everything changes. And so it's, it's, it's this, it's not an accident of history, but it's the meaning of history. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it creates, I think maybe following that illustration, just, it, you know, this, this event, this experience in itself for McFarland did not uh, create in him something new. And the message of the gospel, sure, is the forgiveness of sins, but it's also creating something like, which is good news. Then it's not on us. Um, yeah. Yeah.
speaking of Jesus, we go to the gospel reading. I, I guess most people will preach on this text, right? Here we have uh, Luke 10, verses 25 through 37, which is a I mean, if if a passage is going to be familiar to readers that are not that acquainted with the Bible, it will be this one of these. This will be maybe in the top 10, right? Like the the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it begins. I love how it begins, which I think I feel like you can miss it. He says, you know, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. What do I have to do to, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know, you know, the law and the prophets, you know, Love the Lord your God uh, and and your neighbor as yourself. But then his response is desiring to justify himself. Yeah, he, he felt ill at ease about something. Yeah, he, who is my neighbor to justify himself? That's so interesting, right? Like that that the question is not seemingly to elicit information, but to make a point or or, or yeah, put something at ease that's ill within him. Yeah. Do you think it maybe it's you know he's coming to Jesus as a religious lawyer. He's coming to him kind of on an unequal playing uh, field. He's asking Jesus the question. And then with Jesus's question back, it's as if they're on a level playing field. And this lawyer is like, "Uh Oh, I've got to regain control or something. Um, I don't know. I find that kind of interesting, Um, especially that Jesus's replies are all in questions. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's right. It it is. It does. It, it's interesting because it does seem you're right to change the footing of the conversation a little bit. And yeah, it, it's it's sort of a yeah, it's an interesting it, it, rhetorically. It seems that Jesus is an astute interlocutor because it, you know he kind of he kind of he he seems to play a sort of gracious rhetorical chess match with him. <laughs> Carl Bart commenting on this. Uh, in, in Church Dogmatics, I think four one. Is it four one or four two? I think it's four. Says the lawyer does not know that only by mercy can he live and inherit eternal life. He does not want to live by mercy. He does not even know what it is. He actually uh, he actually lives by something quite different from mercy. His own intention and ability pr- to present himself as a righteous man before God. Yeah, I find this interesting too because we're we're in the middle of Luke's or the beginning, I guess, of Luke's travel narrative. And uh, the beginning where those three people, potential followers coming up to Jesus, and they all kind of fail out. First, really, uh, you know, wants to stay at the fancy hotels, finds out they're not going to, and he bails. And the second is like, well, I have something important to do first. And Jesus is like, nope, single-minded devotion, man. The third looks ready, but isn't. And then last week we have... Jesus essentially reiterating that, like, have single-minded devotion to me. Uh, He sends out the 70, says essentially the same thing. Don't stay at the good hotels. Don't have a grand strategy. Be personable, you know, whatever. And here we have this, and we're talking about the law, but what kind of brackets the whole travel narrative is that notion that Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem. He set his face to the cross, Uh, he's going to be single-mindedly devoted to you and me, even when we fail out. Uh, It's it's interesting. In Ezekiel, when it says that, he sets his face to Jerusalem. It's the Son of Man. He says, Ezekiel, set set your face upon Jerusalem to bring judgment. And Jesus Mm -hmm. sets his face upon Jerusalem to bear judgment. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, the way I would kind of preach this text would be probably less of uh, what's popular in my world. Like, you know, the, the good Samaritan is like the Muslim who saves the, the person who fell on the street while the Christians pass by. And I think that, you know, that's, that's valid with this text. But I, I take it really as like, well, you know, there's, of course, we're called uh, to love everyone regardless of their race, gender, whatever. Um, but ultimately, when you and I fail that, um, <laughs> thanks be to God that the good Samaritan really is Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that we're, His face in the cross. <laughs> it's so interesting. Where Who do you identify with in any story? It's really interesting, right? And so it's interesting. We should probably identify with the guy in the ditch. <laughs> or, or, or the guy asking the question, right? Like, I mean, and alternatively, we're both. In fact, they may be, in some sense, the same person. There's this interesting, there's this interesting pattern um, uh, in the uh, in the text uh, where it says, where it's a, um, where it's like a come do uh, a come do go. You know, the priest uh, was going down the road when he saw him. He passed by the Levite. Uh, comes down the road, saw him, passes by, and the Samaritan comes and has compassion. And then the things that say that he does, right? In Hosea, it says, in Hosea 6, it says, he is torn, he will bind us up, he will revive us, he will raise us up, that we may live uh, before him. This is on Hosea 6. And that's what, that's what, the, the same language from Hosea 6, what the Lord will do is what this, is what the good Samaritan does for the stranger, and I think it's almost like Jesus is saying, you're the guy in the ditch. And unless I neighbor you, you can't have eternal life. Yeah. And it seems to be kind of also just, and so this religious leader, this religious lawyer is the one who comes up to Jesus. Uh, yeah. And he's, you know, if this religious leader thought he was like, talking down to Jesus and then he gets nervous because they're on an equal playing field. And here Jesus uses an example of someone like him, like the Levite, yeah. uh, like the priest, uh, actually you don't get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's all really interesting, but yeah, Jesus as that good Samaritan, the one who sets his face to Jerusalem for us. And I like what you said, not to, necessarily to judge, but to take judgment upon himself. Yeah. Well, I pray that all the hearers and people in congregations may uh, see, hear the, the true Samaritan and be neighbored by him this Sunday. Amen. Thanks so much for doing this with me, Ben. Thank you so much. So fun. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review and subscribe or Pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Ben for coming on the podcast and thanks again to you for listening. Until next time, friends, fare thee well.